This week on Medical Minefield, Deborah Arnott, Chief Executive of Action on Health and Smoking. We don't know what the absolute risk is. You know, we know that relative to smoking, it's a lot less. But we don't know that it's not going to cause respiratory problems longer term. And Professor John Britton, consultant in respiratory medicine at Nottingham City Hospital. The likely lifetime cumulative risk of vaping will be negligible for most people. But the fact is, stuff is going into the lung when you vape, and that's probably not a sensible thing to be doing. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Ethan Ennels. And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're talking about vaping and whether or not it's a big problem that more and more teenagers are starting the habit. As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. So, Ethan... This is the subject we've been talking about most in the office for the past few months, vaping, because I took up vaping last year. And you also vape occasionally, don't you? Yeah, I'm a weekend vapor. Whereas I tried vaping out of curiosity about a year ago and was instantly almost hooked. And I was vaping constantly. I was I was nipping out Every time I needed to make a phone call, I'd nip out and, and have a, a smoke on one of these. And mind you, I'm I'm probably not the absolute target audience because I'm 43 and uh, not even mentioning that as health editor at the Mail on Sunday, I should probably know better. But I was smoking these uh, or vaping, do you call it? But smoking or vaping? I don't know. I think you say vaping. I, I was vaping elf bars and lost marys and things called blue raz lemonade triple mango etc etc i bought something called a gummy bear just before i stopped i would like to say i have not vaped for a month i quit um, although it was not easy for me the reason we're talking about this this week is because uh, action on smoking and health have released their new survey figures they gather smoking and vaping data on a yearly basis uh, and monitor the situation and then they've seen a sharp rise in the numbers of teenagers who are trying vaping for the first time they say this is a concern so before we go any further let's speak to Deborah Arnott who's chief executive of action on health and smoking Deborah thanks very much for joining us today Ash has just announced its most recent survey data and you've seen a rise in young people vaping for the first time, trying vaping or dabbling in vaping. Is this a cause for concern, would you say? I think it is because it's associated with children 11 to 17 saying that they're much more exposed to promotion of vaping, particularly in shops, and that's where they mainly buy them from. And, you know, it's a growth of 50%, which is significant, whereas the growth in current vaping or smoking hasn't gone up. But we don't want children experimenting with vaping. It's not necessarily risk-free. Now, you say that it's not risk-free, but it's a very nuanced message, isn't it? That, in fact, there's not really that much evidence that vaping is harmful, is there? No, there isn't. Certainly not in the short term. But I think 
it's important to recognize that if you vape long term, you're inhaling things into your lungs, which while they're, they'll be much less harmful than cigarette smoke, you know, your lungs are vulnerable. They're, they're very delicate mechanisms and inhaling chemicals with unknown long-term effects. I mean, the flavors have been tested for food, but eating food is very different from inhaling flavors into your lungs, particularly if they've been heated, which they have with vapes. We don't know what the absolute risk is. You know, we know that relative to smoking, it's a lot less. But we don't know that it's not going to cause respiratory problems longer term, like what used to be called emphysema is now called chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which can affect your ability to breathe. To protect your lungs as far as possible, try and breathe clean air. I mean, if you live in London like you do and I do, that can be difficult sometimes. And that's one of the other things that actually it's not just vape inhalation that can be bad for your lungs. So actually some of the tests looking at exposure to toxic substances show that people who vape and people who don't vape and don't smoke aren't that different. So there are other things that can damage your lungs. But as far as possible, we want to protect our lungs. They're very delicate and our long-term health and healthy life expectancy depends on our lungs working effectively. I think the interesting thing is that I mean, what we really know is cigarette smoke, that tobacco smoke is so bad for us, isn't it? It's just one of the worst possible things we can do. And so just about anything will be better than that. That's definitely true. I mean, it is uh, up to two thirds of long term smokers will die prematurely from smoking and from horrible diseases. I mean, not just lung cancer, but 15 cancers are implicated in smoking, caused by smoking heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, as I say, chronic obstructive respiratory disease, which is a really horrible way to die because basically you suffocate as your lungs stop being able to expand and contract properly so you can't get enough oxygen. And oxygen is, uh, you know, you absolutely have to get oxygen in order to live. Mm. And Ash has a series of proposals of what needs to change because, you know, most people will be aware that when you go just about anywhere these days, you'll see vapes. I I went into the post office to buy some envelopes the other day and my local post office have opened up a counter selling vapes, of all things. They're in every single corner shop and they're very attractive things, I think. You know, they're, they're very lovely coloured interesting looking uh, when you actually take them out of the packet they're very tactile and lovely to touch and the flavors are you know well there's there's so many different flavors there's definitely something for everyone who who likes sweet things i guess and they're not expensive that was that was one of the things that i thought was so remarkable when i was when i was vaping if i was a smoker still i would instantly switch because it was I mean, it's, you know, you're talking about sort of five quid for a vape that will last three days, maybe. And, you know, you'd spend sort of 40 quid on on cigarettes in in that same amount of time. So it it would be a complete no brainer to make that kind of switch. But interestingly, you've got a series of recommendations in order to tweak things slightly and make it less attractive to children. Yes, but also to communicate the risks effectively, because Over half of children think it's more than or is equally as harmful as smoking. But, of course, adolescents are risk takers. That's not putting them off trying. But we know that even of adult smokers, something like 39% think that vaping is more than or equally harmful to smoking. And that's putting adults off switching. Because if you're an addicted smoker, you'll remember, I mean, I remember, you're looking for excuses not to switch. I've, I've bumped into smokers 
and said to them, uh, you really should switch to vaping because they all know vaping is, is just as harmful. I've heard about popcorn lung. Well, popcorn lung is a myth. You know, so we need to communicate the risk effectively. What we need to do and what works with cigarettes is, is, is the promotion. We need to do something about the promotion. Child smoking was the same. 11 to 15-year-olds, nearly one in five 11 to 15-year-olds smoked in 1982. In 2000, it was one in five. They knew all about the risk. And government had been running advertising campaigns. You know, it didn't stop children taking up smoking. What stopped them was the ban on advertising, the large health warnings on pack, plain packaging, you know, putting cigarettes behind barriers so you can't see them in shops, display that. All these things had a much bigger impact than just warning them about the harm. I mean, I don't think that's the only reason why vaping's taken off. The modern disposables, which have been on sale in the last couple of years, are very easy to use, as you will, I'm sure, be able to confirm. Um, and they're cheap and they're attractive. And there's been a lot of role modelling. So some children started doing it. And we know that there are two main reasons that children tell us they're trying vaping. One is just to give it a try. And the other is because everyone around them is doing it. And that's the problem. And so, yeah, so there's a, there's a massive sort of... I felt the same pressure. <laughs> I'm looking at Ethan, who's sitting across the way from me. But anyway, sorry, carry on. I've interrupted you. No, no, not at all. So we do think that we need to do something about the affordability because what we want to do is make sure that they're not as cheap for children, but not as expensive as smoking. And there's also environmental problems with disposables. I mean, you'll see them thrown on the streets and in bins. It's terrible. I mean, it's not as bad as cigarette butts, which are also made of plastic, is the most littered item in the country, but it's still not a good thing. And actually, to put a tax on disposables to make them as expensive as rechargeable, reusable, which if you're an adult smoker wanting to use them to help you quit, will in the longer term be more cost effective, will actually discourage children while not making them as expensive as as smoking, which is what we want to do. One of the things that lots of people are calling for, or, or some people have called for, is, is banning the flavours. So you'd only have very flat, plain flavours, or you'd put health warnings on the packets and things like that. But interestingly, these things have unintended consequences in, in terms of giving the wrong impression that vaping is as harmful as smoking or similarly harmful as smoking, and, and then stopping people from switching. And in fact, the flavours are quite beneficial because they make it pleasant and something that people want to do, which is, is another thing you want people to transfer that kind of desire to smoke into vaping, don't you? So it's going to be a careful thing, isn't it, to legislate? It is. I mean, in America, the the American regulatory system, they've only licensed e-cigarettes with tobacco flavour and all the fruit flavours and everything else has been banned. Well, what we know is that when vaping first started, the flavours were tobacco because basically people thought that's what would attract people from smoking to vaping, and it did. But we found that over time, the other flavours, the fruit flavours, sweet flavours, became more attractive because smokers who switched didn't want to be reminded of smoking. They didn't want anything that might attract them back to smoking. And that's why we want the, the use of sweet names like gummy bears or Skittles or banana to be banned because that's part of the marketing and promotion of vaping, which is in a way that's appealing to children. Yeah, don't make them look like sweets, but you know you can yeah. you can still have fl- nice flavours, can't you? You can, yes. And actually, I took a look a couple of years ago when we first started saying to government, you've got to do something about packaging and labelling, and you could find something which was branded as chocolate caramel, 
and looked really attractive. And the same flavor in a silver bottle with just a number, FYX or something, which identified it. And obviously information, but in a small, you know, about what the flavor was. Now, you know, I, that seems to me a no-brainer. We want to stop having these promoted in ways that makes them particularly attractive to children, but still allow those flavors for adults. Mm. I mean, could you see a scenario where you know, two decades, three decades down the line, and, and no seriously alarming signal has come up showing that vaping's harmful. Could it be in the future that, that we have finally found the vice that's not bad for you? It's completely possible. I mean, it's unlikely there will be no harm. And actually, the harm is more likely to be present for people who have smoked and have already damaged their respiratory system. Because if you think about it, your lungs have already been exposed to some damage to start with. But we want to do more research. And we've been trying to get government funding, charitable funding, working with academics to actually look at the long-term impact. Because our surveys now show, I mean, vapes first went on sale in 2007. I can remember the first product coming onto the market. And we have people responding to our survey. We do a, a survey of adults and children every year looking at attitudes and behavior, not just on vaping, but also smoking. And we have people who've been using them for over 10 years now. There's people out there who you could research, but we need to have the money to do it. And it's very frustrating so far. We've not been able to find it. We're still talking to funding organizations to be able to follow up and do research on people who stop smoking completely and people who switch to vaping and see if there are differences longer term both perspective looking forward, so following people up now, but also looking back at people who've been vaping for some years and comparing them to very similar people who carried on smoking, you know, in terms of socioeconomic background, gender, all the rest of it. But we haven't been able to get the funding for that yet. And I think that's really important because people who vape need to be able to make informed decisions. I mean, they might decide to carry on vaping even if there is some risk, if they know that otherwise they'd go back to smoking. But I think people are their own to be able to make their own decisions. Mm. Well, Steve Barkley, if you're listening, this is research that really does need funding. Deborah Arnott, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure. So we're doing things a bit differently today. We're going to save the big debate for after our very interesting guests. But if you are interested in hearing me and Ethan argue about vaping and the harms and me blaming him for my addiction, then do keep listening. But now we have uh, someone who knows all about the uh, potential respiratory effects of vaping, Professor John Britton, who is a consultant in respiratory medicine at Nottingham City Hospital. Professor Britton, thanks very much for joining us today. We're discussing the recent news that there's been a rise in numbers of teenagers trying vaping for the first time. And I just wanted to get your take on whether this was a cause for concern. What do we know about the harm that vaping could possibly cause? Well, we know in the short term that vaping causes very little harm. Vaping has been around for 15 years or so now. And reports of serious adverse effects are very few. So in the short term, things look pretty good. For the long term, we can only work out what the likely harms will be by looking at what's in the emissions of the typical electronic cigarettes. And we know that they contain a number of chemicals which may cause cancer or cause uh, lung damage in the same way as 
pollution or cigarette smoke does. And we know that the vapor contains low, small amounts of metal, which could exacerbate blood clotting, for example. But we also know that the levels of these things are extremely low. So the likely lifetime cumulative risk of vaping will be negligible for most people. And I believe this has been looked at quite carefully, that some of the best research has found that the levels of these volatile compounds that that might cause problems in the lungs are probably about the same as you'd get just walking around the street or general kind of pollution levels. They call it background levels of these these chemicals. You you could just breathe them in anyway. Is that that right? To a large degree, I think that probably is right. What I can say is that um, we we analysed the emissions data that the manufacturers submitted to the MHRA in the first year that they were required to do that, which was 2016-17. And we found that for the data we could analyse, most of the levels were below levels in inhaled air that the occupational standards defined to be safe. So it's not to say that these things are safe, it's just that the likely long-term risks will be small. And I suppose there must be a a difference in terms of the fact that these chemicals are going to be contained in the vapour and that you inhale them right into the bottom of your lungs and all, all of that kind of stuff. Well, I haven't seen good evidence, it may be out there, but I haven't seen good evidence about how far down into the lung the vapour penetrates. So it may feel as if something is being inhaled deep into the lung. But in reality, most of the things that you inhale impact on the on the airways, not into the air sacs where the, where the business of the lung is carried out. So I don't know how deep these vapours do penetrate. But the fact is, stuff is going into the lung when you vape. And from first principles, that's probably not a sensible thing to be doing. But the comparator in all of this discussion isn't not vaping, it is smoking tobacco smoke. And tobacco smoke blows vaping out of the sea for the levels of toxins that that are present in the smoke. So relative to smoking, vaping is substantially less harmful. Relative to not vaping, there will be a risk that is avoidable. Professor, an argument I often hear is that we can't possibly know the long-term risks of vaping. And then it's compared to smoking, where people said, well, people used to think smoking was healthy for you. Is that a fair comparison? It is a fair comparison in that, you know, 100 years ago, well, more than 100 years ago, people didn't realise that smoking might be harmful. But it's an arbitrary point in a way, because what we do know is that we have about 7 million smokers in the United Kingdom and that half of those people, so three and a half million of them, will be killed by their smoking habits unless they quit. Now, you can say, well, here comes a new alternative to smoking. We don't know what its long-term risks are, therefore we'll prohibit it. And the result of that is that smokers carry on smoking. So if you want absolute evidence on whether vaping is safe, you're going to have to wait until about half a century has passed and hundreds rather than tens of thousands of people who have never smoked have vaped for that period. So we'll only know long after the problem ceases to be relevant. So you have to be pragmatic and make decisions on health benefits and risks to individual and public health on the evidence that we have now, not the evidence we would like to have now. 
some people listening to this will say, as people have asked me this week um, when I've told them we're covering vaping, they've asked about popcorn lung and the lung injury outbreak that we saw in, in America. And experts that I've spoken to have said that these aren't causes for concerns, that popcorn lung isn't a thing. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And popcorn lung was described in people working with a chemical called diacetyl. Diacetyl is not supposed to be present in electronic cigarette vapor. Again, some of the products that we analyzed had tiny trace amounts in the vapor. But in terms of risk of popcorn lung, the answer is no, it's not a problem. Evali was caused by an epidemic of vaping cannabis oil in the United States. And one illicit provider of that cannabis oil, when he was running short of cannabis oil, as I understand it, cut it with vitamin E acetate, which looked similar. Vitamin E acetate was the thing that was responsible for the early epidemic. It's not found in UK vaping fluids, and it's not a characteristic of nicotine vaping generally. And that was quite nasty, wasn't it? People died from that, didn't they? Yeah, that was a serious complication, but it was a very discreet epidemic in North America and southern Canada, which was traceable in almost all cases to vaping dodgy cannabis oil. The main concern most people have at the moment is about children and about children getting into vaping. Do we know much yet about how often children will take up vaping and then move on to smoking? Uh, We know that the proportion of children who were non-smokers who had become vaping and vapors and were vaping at least once a week was less than half of 1%. The majority of young people who vape are also experimenting with tobacco or have been smokers and are moving across to vaping. You have a clear association between vaping and smoking and that people who vape are more likely to smoke and vice versa. But the causal direction of that association isn't at all clear. In the United States, there's a widespread belief that vaping causes smoking, but in fact, there's an equally persuasive argument that vaping diverts young people from smoking and is therefore in their best interest. I think a lot of the suspicions come from the fact that the companies pushing these things clearly benefit from people becoming hooked on it, as the tobacco companies did when it was quite clear that tobacco caused cancer. So I think everyone's highly suspicious, really, aren't they? People are suspicious because they see nicotine vaping as a nicotine, using a nicotine product and another nicotine product, tobacco, is extremely harmful. And the manufacturers of tobacco have behaved reprehensively for for most of the time they've been on the planet. But it doesn't necessarily mean that other nicotine products are just as harmful. In fact, you could argue, there's a very strong argument, that promoting vaping, provided the main audience for vaping is people who would otherwise be smoking, is doing a huge public health favour. Well, Professor Britton, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. So my interest in this is personal because, as I, I mentioned, I took up vaping last summer. It, it's been about a year that I've been vaping, or rather a year minus the one month that I've quit now. I started vaping because Ethan went out and did a, a, an investigation 
looking at how easy it was for children to buy vapes from sweet shops but there was a whole pile of vapes in ethan's desk drawer and months later i saw him rummaging through this and um, said oh can i try one because i was i was curious i tried i think it was a, a watermelon ice elf bar and it was i mean it was just instant it was love at first puff for me <laughs> i it was everything that i dreamed of but i mean this was everything that that's good about smoking and combine this with gorgeous flavors such as triple mango which is one of your favorites isn't it so tasty perfect product i'd say did you ever smoke ethan i experimented with as a kid but i never really got into it so i did it because it was cool and everyone else was doing it why do you think you didn't ever get into smoking because ethan is 20 you're 26 now aren't you? 27 as of last week 27 yeah. so a decade ago sort of a little more than a decade ago um, I suppose vaping wasn't really anything. No, and there. my generation was the first to get all the anti-smoking measures. So I remember when cigarettes came in colourful packages and you could buy a 10-pack of cigarettes. And for that reason, you could get them very cheap. You could buy menthol cigarettes. And then in the space of my kind of secondary school years, that all went, they all went into plain packaging and they like doubled in price. And everyone I know stopped smoking, other than the people who were really deep into it. So those rules in place by the government worked really well for people my age and then vaping came along and we're all smoking again but we're not smoking we're vaping oh really yes i mean well see i i started smoking when i was a teenager too which was a little bit longer ago than you mm, just about um, and uh, um you know i grew up in an age when smoking was everywhere it was on tv it models smoked and magazines glamorized it it was really part of the environment it was part of the fabric and of course everyone could smoke anywhere you liked they only banned smoking on the tube on the london underground when i was about five it's like a totally different world it i was can't even imagine world. any of this i mean for me when i first started in journalism as soon as i picked up the phone to do an interview i'd like a fag um and that was <laughs> my ritual but but how many do you think you were smoking a day back then i so i was probably smoking about at my at my peak during my late teens i was probably smoking between 10 and 20 a day however as the legislations were brought in that slowly reduced by 2009 i'd given up so as you went to secondary school all these legislations were being brought yeah 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 and so smoking was nowhere and it wasn't really on the menu but people still did it i think Mm. it's probably what vaping is now which is kids act out and kids are rebellious and like maybe when you were younger it was the kind of norm for everyone to smoke well yeah we all know teens take risks but when i was 14 and started smoking one in five people my age smoked yeah it definitely wasn't that when i I mean it's phenomenal how many people smoked and you know i mean obviously this is nothing like in the 1960s when 70 percent of men smoked Mm. but by the 2010s i think it was sub five percent maybe two or three percent of teenagers smoked by that yeah that sounds bad crap um so it was it was kind of more unusual and, and i don't think it's ever dipped that much below there will be until they've completely banned smoking, which I think they've done that in New Zealand, haven't they? They've brought in the the smoke-free generation. So if you're born past a certain age, you will never be allowed to buy cigarettes, which I think is a great idea. But we've got this new thing, vapes. Which are a guilt-free vice. And it's so but great you... to hear 
scientists back up my personal theory as well. So, so Ethan and I have had this argument because I've I've said there must be something wrong with it. There must be something wrong with it. And this is mainly because I'm trying to persuade myself not to vape. I think historically, vices, things we get addicted to, have downsides, whether that's gambling, smoking, drinking, overeating. There's always a payoff. You know, you, you have fun and in exchange you give up something, whether it's your health or your money. But what if vapes were the first thing ever well, that wasn't the case. Well, I'd, actually, I disagree with you because gambling and drinking and, you know, I mean, I think smoking is something quite in isolation. You know, you can drink in moderation and, you know, go and gamble. These things aren't going to kill you. You're not going to. It's only if they're done to excess or it's only if you become very addicted. But that doesn't mean that you can not do those things. And maybe that's the difference between you and me, that, that you don't vape apart from at the weekends. That's true. And it's, again, quite a social thing in that if I'm going to the pub with friends or I'm going to a party, we'll all buy vapes. On the way, we'll swap flavours and compare the flavours we have. (laughs) They're great. They're so much fun. And the fact is that they're so far scientists haven't been able to come up with anything distinctively wrong with them, which is amazing. That's such good. It's news. interesting that that's what you were hearing because I was hearing what I wanted to hear actually, which was that there is just about no way that this is going to be harmless. They don't know what the harm will be because it hasn't been researched. I think that just about everyone's saying it's going to be many, many years before you can say it's risk free. So, well, you know, I'm not going to vape in that time. I just have at to wait. Best, what you're doing is is taking a risk assessment and thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna have a gamble, maybe. But it's really fun. (laughs) Isn't that what life's about? Taking risks, enjoying yourself, living in the moment. It might be. And I'll come and visit you with that oxygen canister (laughs) when when you've got COPD. And, you know, and I'll say, I told you so. And I gave up and you didn't. It's all worth it for the triple mango. I brought a load home because we had about 15 of them in the office. And I brought maybe eight home with me to my flat. I live with three other guys. They all vape now. And they didn't before Whoa, I brought them back. Okay, so you've not only enabled me yep. a vaping addiction, but you've got other... You're like a vape pusher. Yeah, and I guess that's why oh I'm so God. invested in them being good for you. Because I need to counterbalance all the guilt what of me vape putting, putting other people onto them. We all get different <laughs> flavours and we pass them around and everyone's like, oh, you got the gummy bear, I got the triple mango. Like, they're so... This it's is fine. Exactly it's a talking the point. Smoking. Yeah, the, the, there was a the huge smoking pressure. never had that. You never had that level of flavor comparison. I think the thing is as well. Mm. The main concern is children, and I can understand why raising the price of the vapes and also making them I don't know plain packaging take away the fun, tasty flavors. But then kids will just move on to something else because kids need some way to act out, and this is currently it, and it will be something else tomorrow if they change vapes and we know vapes are not terrible for you so why why you know let the kids have vapes i say mm. less bad for you than maybe smoking tiktok heroin tiktok social media gambling well you can read all about this and more in this weekend's the mail on sunday which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on the mail app We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. So we'll see you then. Goodbye.